0: this month, we have been doing a whole thing called Becoming Unstuck, Becoming Unstuck. And this is the book that we've been following through with as well. If you'd like to get a hold of this book, we have a desk at the back. You can get a hold of that book. You can even go on Amazon.com and get a hold of the book. And if you can't afford the book, please just take a book. We'd rather you had one than to be without a book at all. Um, we've been going through this process of Becoming Unstuck because it's a really major issue that we have discovered. Uh, going through um, much counseling for many years as a church about things in the past that can stop us from moving forward as not just people, but specifically as Christians. Why does it say specifically Christians? Because we actually as Christians have a task to do. We have a job to do. We have a great commission. We don't just have a mission. We have a great commission. And that is a compelled mission. That's a job that we have to do before Christ returns. Amen. Thank you. And so we have been going through this process. And, uh, and if you have not been uh, following us, I would encourage you to go to our website, NorthwestOrlando.com, or even on YouTube, and go back and watch some of the stuff that we've been talking about, because it's been a journey that we've been going through. In week one, we talked about God's blueprint for us, that he has a design that would allow us to become everything that he has called us to be. And to be able to do the things that God has called us to to, to, to do, without being hindered or stumbled by offences or emotions or past issues or dysfunctionalities inside of ourselves. The following week, Pastor Mark did um, a, a, a teaching about what normal family relationships are. Normal family relationships are very important because that's the that's the that's the environment, that's the body that we are meant to uh, grow up in to grant to, to gather all the tools that we need for life and for. Ministry, and we're meant to have normal family relationships. Last week, uh, uh, Pastor Aslan talked about the difference between a root and a fruit. We have much fruit in our lives, which are maybe uh, good fruit and bad fruit, but they're all connected to a root that is in the ground. Every fruit that comes that grows on a tree is connected to something that was planted many years ago. Today, I'm going to be talking about returning the burden. This is getting into the serious point. This is getting to the nitty-gritty now about how we now deal with past burdens in our life. And of course, next week, Dr. Crystal will be talking about replacing the tools, how to get the things that we need in our lives that we, we maybe did not get in our childhood. Now, you see here this morning, I'm actually wearing a backpack on my back, and I want to put this visualization into your mind that this is a picture of what we gather in our lives, especially from our childhood. In our childhoods, we're most impressionable. When you're a child, you, you receive and believe everything that really comes your way. By the age of about between 8 and 12 years old, is, as psychologists say, is when you start to find your own will and you start to question the people that are around you. Anyone ever remember that? You realize that your father wasn't as smart as you thought he was, right? Your Your mother, she's just wonderful, okay. But between the ages of eight and 12 is when you start to stretch out your wings and you start to discover the inadequacies of your own parents. And along that path, you're also bringing, you're also having experiences with them and you're actually receiving emotions from them as well. And they fill up your backpack with either the tools that help you to conquer life or they fill up your backpack with past emotions and past experiences that then you take into your adulthood and they start to dictate the way that you respond to life as well. And so it's important to be able to understand that these things are not things that you easily just walk away from or you just snap some fingers and you fix them and that's it. It's all sorted out and you move on. Even Jesus had to deal with issues in people's lives and he had to free them from burdens, from curses, from from past thoughts, from, from old ways of thinking in order that they might become who they're meant to become. So, how do you know if you have unresolved burdens in your life? The first one I would suggest is this that you're stuck, you're just stuck. It's amazing how many people I've come across in life are just stuck. doesn't matter how wealthy they are, how successful they are. They might have a lovely wife and they've got a lovely spouse. They've got children. They've got a great business and everything's wonderful, but they just feel stuck. They can't move forward. They've hit a lid in life. They're disconnected to the to the blessings and the rewards that actually have filled up their life. Even their efforts seem fruitless when they're putting as much as they can and putting all their heart into a ministry or into an opportunity or into their business, but they just don't have a satisfaction in their life is a stuck. The second way that I find that you know if you've got unresolved burdens in your life is you're experiencing childish emotions, childish emotions. It's amazing how you can be someone who's in the body of a 20 or 30 or 40 or a 50 year old person and still you're experiencing emotions of what it was like when you were a child. I was speaking with a, a gentleman about a year ago or something. This guy was built like a tank. I mean, he was just the biggest muscle. He came in and he looked like he could crush me just with his thumb. And and he was in, he was in, he actually was a very wealthy person. And I said, what, what are we meeting here today for? What what do you want to chat about? And he goes, I'm stuck. I'm just stuck. And I said, so what is it that's going on in your life? And he talked about how he's, he just seems to have, He has this marriage. He's got a wonderful wife. And he, and, and he said, and everything just seems to be great. And he said, but I keep sabotaging my relationship with her. And everything, I seem to always seem to hurt her. I'm always saying things that I shouldn't say. I'm always pulling her down. And I don't know why I keep doing this. So I, the more we got into his life, and tell me about your mother, tell me about your father. And he told me about the things that had happened in his life. And it was devastating things. When he grew up, his father berated him and, beat the living daylights out of him. He said, the reason why I'm so physically big and strong is because one day I decided that man is never going to get to lay a finger on me again. I'll never forget the day when I was about 16 years old and I was getting pretty much bigger and I was getting tall. And I told my dad, go ahead, take a swing. Just try it one more time. He said, and that was the last day that my father ever tried to have control over me. And I said, and you've never moved on from that day. And the problem is you keep doing that to your wife now. And every time she points or pokes something inside of you, there's this defensive system that comes up inside of you, and now you're trying to defend yourself. The problem is, your wife can't afford to be married to an angry 16 year old boy. You need to move on from that moment. The world and the people that love you are not necessarily out to get you and destroy you, it's just you're still stuck emotionally in that place, you're emotionally frozen. And it's amazing how many of us have moments in our lives where as men, we are still boys. As women, we're still young girls and we're still acting and feeling that way. The third way that I believe that you know if you've got unresolved burdens in your life is you keep repeating the things that you don't want to do. Anyone do that? Just me? No? Anyone? Yeah. Yeah. I keep repeating the same stupid things that I don't want to do. In fact, Paul said this in the book of Romans when he was speaking to the Romans. He said, I do not understand what I do. And this is the guy who's meant to know all about God. This is the guy that wrote most of the New Testament. And even he's saying, I keep doing what I do not want to do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. That's got to be frustrating, right? It's annoying. It's annoying. Because it's the same arguments that you're having with people. It's the same habits, the same attitudes, the same emotions, the same depressions. For me, one of the things that really got tackled to me when I first came over to America was I had this sarcasm about me, right? Now, it was easy for me to blame it on my culture because, you know, we're very sarcastic. That's our humor. That's the, that's the type of thing. Until one day, I realized that people didn't like me because I was so sarcastic, And I had to start examining myself, why am I sarcastic? And I realized that it was a defensive system from something that I grew up with when I was a child. The things that I kept doing and I couldn't stop it. In fact, sometimes you can get to the place where the very things you don't want to do are now becoming an addiction for you. An addiction. And of course, we look at addictions and go, well, that's for people who have got alcoholism or their drugs or some of that. Well, what about eating too much? What about eating too little? What about the the string of bad relationships that you might have? What about becoming a doormat in your life? What about being someone who's constantly angry and always screaming out and having anger all the time? That's an addiction to that type of power. What about shopping? What about binge watching TV? What about work? These are all drugs if they become an addiction in your life and you can't stop it. You can't stop yourself. These are all signs that it's about the emotions and the experiences that you've not moved on from. It's the backpack of burdens. And when you have burdens in your life, they tend to slow you down and weigh you down. And everything that you're doing in life seems to take 10 times more the effort to do because you actually have this burden that keeps holding you back. The burden of having to prove yourself or the burden of having an overdeveloped sense of responsibility or the burden of feeling that you're not quite good enough. And some might say, well, you just need to get over it. Just move on. I say it's not that easy. And the proof of the hundreds, if not thousands of people that I've spoken to over the years of Proven, it's not that simple and it's not that easy because they're all rooted in your family relationships from your past. And that defines what you think about yourself and what you feel about yourself. <clears throat> and I believe that generally your father tends to determine what you think about yourself, what I'm capable of doing, and your mother generally determines what you feel about yourself. Who am I? I even see people who decide to try and move on, just move on, get over it. And they literally try and move geographically away from whatever problem they're experiencing. I just need a new start. I just need a new marriage. I just need a new job. I just need a new church even. But see here, the problem is, is if you go to that new church, you go to that new job, you go to that new marriage, you go to that new place geographically, the problem is still there because you're there. Because the problem is inside of yourself. Your fruit that you're experiencing is not because of what's going on around you. It's because of what's coming from you. When Jesus was attacked in the New Testament, he didn't walk around and go, I'm not dying for those people. Gosh, they're always causing me problems. I'm just not going to speak to them anymore and walk away. No, the fruitfulness of a desire to please his father and to live out the calling that had been put on his life was paramount to him, regardless of what scenario he was going through. And he even prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Here's two ways I believe, two things that usually bring up old emotions in your life. The first one is this, new relationships. This happens every time. Whenever I see someone getting married or having children or something like that, I'm going, "Uh, uh, uh-uh-uh, you're now going to get challenged. Old things from the past are now going to come up in your life. Am I right? It's amazing how, I don't know if anyone's had this experience, but you have children, right? And then your children start to say and do the things that you say and do. And you're like, oh God, the world is going to fall apart. There can't be two of us. Or, or your child starts to look like, act like, or speak like, or in any particular way, like your mother or your father, that you can't stand anymore. And you're like, oh no, I'm raising my mother. Ooh. Right? And then you realize this is a problem that's beyond me. Relationships, it's, it's, it's easy to, to deal with your own life and to deal with your own problems and live around them and cover over them and have addictions that numb yourself. But as soon as you have to be in a relationship with someone else, it starts to challenge you. And that doesn't even have to be a spouse. It could be a boss. The other way that I know that, the, that, that usually brings up old emotions is new seasons in your life, new challenges. You have to start a new business in order to start paying for this family that you've got. You have to go off and, and go to college or you have to go and do something. There's a brand new season in your life. And what it does is it brings up your inadequacies, which are really tied to your emotions. It brings up these old emotions that I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not fast enough. I don't have the right to do this. The fact is, if God has called you to do it, you do have the right to do it and you actually have to do it. So how do we move on from old burdens? I'm gonna suggest three different ways that's in the book that you can go back to and look at it and and, and follow a little bit more in depth, but we're gonna just be uh, uh, just jumping into these just a little bit, but three ways I believe that we move on from old burdens burdens. And the first one is this. You have to identify the burden first. You've got to know what it is that you're dealing with. You've got to know, what am I looking at here? It's amazing what we try and do is skip over this stuff. Oh, I know I've got issues. I've got, I got problems. I'll take it to the cross. Jesus, heal it. Thank you, Jesus. And we try and walk away, right? Let's just not pay attention to it. We'll just forget about it. We'll try and move on. But you've not really dealt with it. It's great that you've tried to take it to the cross, but you've not really dealt with it. Because it will come up later on in life. I've got a very good friend who has uh, years ago we were talking about, and 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 he's got children, he's got a lovely wife, and he's got um, a business and everything. And he's like, it just I'm stuck in life. I don't know how to move forward. I just I said, what is it you're feeling? He's like, I just everything I try, I don't feel like I'm succeeding at. I feel like I just fail at it. I feel useless. I feel embarrassed that I haven't been able to, that I live from paycheck to paycheck. I'm so embarrassed by this. And I've had so many good mentors. And I'm like, you just feel like a little boy right now, don't you? And he goes, yeah, I do feel like a little boy. And I said, when was the first time you felt this? Now, there are three questions I always ask people about what they're going through. And the first one is this, when was the first time you felt this emotion? I'm not looking to get to the, the perfect one beginning that it was, but I'm looking to try and track it back to what experiences did they have that has brought them to the place that they're still having today. And they're repeating it over and over again. When was it that this happened? And he said, it was about a young boy maybe about six, seven or eight years old. And my father, actually my father really struggled with trying to pay for the bills and he became an alcoholic from this. I'm like, do you see any connection here? You see any connection that you've got the fear that you're just repeating what's going on in your father's life as well? And he said, i never thought of it like this. And then I said, if your son was here right now and he was blaming himself that he wasn't doing a good enough job, what would you say to your son? And tears welled up in his eyes and he'd say, I say, son, you've got what it takes. You've got this, you can make us happen. Don't be defined by me. I'm here to support you. I'm here to, to make you successful. And I said, and this is what father God now says to you. You don't have to be tied to that past experience with your father. You can switch it over to someone else. The second question I always ask is, what happened and who was there? And as he described what happened with his father, he got into the details. Let me tell you, get detailed and name it. Why? Why should you get so detailed and name it? I'll tell you, this is the reason why. Because demonic spirits feed off of unconfessed sin. Let me say it again. Demonic spirits which roam the earth to look for fertile ground to bring destruction in your life are looking for something that is a secret in your life. Something that has disconnected you from the Father God. Something that keeps you away from Him and stops you from being a son and a daughter in the house of the Lord. Unconfessed sin is what demonic spirits feed off of. And I believe that we overcome the enemy by getting those things out of us. Let me show you. In Revelation chapter 12 and 11, verse 11, it says, and they, that's the believers, that's those that bow their knee to Christ. They overcame him, who, the devil, by the blood of the lamb, which is the cross of Christ, right? We know as Christians here, if if you're not a Christian, I would love to talk to you more about the cross of Christ and how it has brought us salvation and relationship again with God. But by the blood of the lamb and by the, what does it say? Word of their testimony. What's your testimony? My testimony is just one day someone told me about Jesus and I just got saved and everything's wonderful. No, your testimony is all this junk that I should have been killed for, I should have been accountable for, I should have been put on a cross myself for, Jesus gave himself so I might be able to have a relationship with God, so that I might be disconnected from that burden, to be disconnected from that sin, from that curse that kept me away from the Father. They overcame them by the word of their testimony, not someone else's, their testimony. And I believe we have, to get, we have to get detailed with this stuff. What was it that happened in your life? Were you rejected? Were you abused? Were you abandoned? Were you not trained? Were you not loved? Were you not cherished? All these different things. Many of us, and it's amazing, I find, especially with those that are from the baby boomer generation or the World War II generation, they tend to move on from their emotions as fast as possible. And I get it. I know why. Because that generation went through a rebuilding phase where they went through such trauma of World War II, but then they birthed a generation that didn't know how to deal with their emotions. I wonder if we have now swung to the other side of the pendulum where we've got millennials that feel everything and they have all their emotions, but they don't have the tools to deal with it. So it's neither one is right or wrong, but there has got to be a concerted effort that we allow to have the gravity of our sin and our burden to be felt within ourselves. Why? So that we don't just fob it off. So that we find out, does it really still have control over us? Have I really moved on from it or is there things that I still haven't let go of? The third question is what should have happened? And the reason why I say what should have happened is because that goes back to the blueprint how do you know what's functional or not functional? How do you know what's right or what's wrong unless you know what God had designed for your life? What is the right way of doing things? What was the right relationship you should have had with your father, your mother, and your extended family? What should have it looked like? And if you're not too sure, then go and speak to someone who does know what it should have looked like. So then you're able to identify, I didn't have this. Then that must have an effect on me now. Because you can't, you can't live without a piece missing in the design and think you're all going to be functional. It's like having your car built at the factory, but they decide to leave out a few parts of the car. It's eventually not going to work properly. If you're missing a few bolts from your engine, which some of you do, do seem a little like you've got screw loose, but if you're missing a few bolts from your engine, eventually it's going to break down, right? Okay, let's get to the second one here. <clears throat> second one is assign the burden, assign the burden. Now, I can feel the discomfort across the nation right now, across the internet and across the room. Oh, wait, you want me to tell someone it's their fault? Yes, that's what I want you to do. Ooh, but that's not very Christian-y, right? We, we shouldn't say it's someone's fault. We should just say, I just, I just forgive you and I move on from it and we're all fantastic and we'll just be like that. No, no, no. There has to be an accountability for what has been done. There's got to be an ownership. There's got to be a proper order. This is not about blame. This is about proper order. Because then how can you forgive a person if you've not assigned what it was that you're actually being, you're, you're forgiving them for? You can't just give blanket, oh, I'll just forgive you and forgive you. That, that's, 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 that's shallow Christianity. You have to get to nitty gritty because you know what's going to be done to you. You know why I know it's going to be done to you? Because in Romans 14, 12, it says, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. God is even going to do it. He's going to say, let's do an account of some of those things. Now, here's the thing. Maybe you're just hoping Jesus will come in and he'll go, oh, not this one, not this one. No, no, not this one. No, don't don't ask him about that stuff that he did on Friday night. Don't, don't, don't ask her about how much she spent when she knew she shouldn't be spending that. Don't ask, don't ask this one or that. No, no, no. It says that everything will be laid bare. Every tongue will confess. Every tongue will confess. And I'm ashamed to think, oh my gosh, I've thought about this. I'm like, what if everyone's going to hear what it is that I have done or what I've gone through and the fears that I've had and the sins that I've committed. But here's the thing. We're not only all going to be in it together. This is the one time where we will be all in it. We're all in this together, right? But literally, we will just be so grateful for what Christ has done for us. I do believe it's important that we know how to get down to the nitty gritty. And let me tell you why this is important because this is what God did with Adam and Eve in the beginning. Adam and Eve, we know the story of when he they took the apple. They were speaking to the serpent. The serpent said, no, no, just take the apple. You'll be fine. They took the apple and they took it, right? Whether it was an apple or not. And he said, who told you that you were naked? When Adam and Eve were hiding behind the bush because they felt naked and they heard God coming, they were hiding away. And God says, where are you? Adam and Eve, where are you? And they came out from the bush just looking absolutely ashamed. And he said, what were you doing? I was like, well, we were hiding because we were naked. The first question that God asked them is, who told you that? You see, what happened there was God had already made a design in Adam and Eve that they should never actually walk in any shame. They should be free. They should be Fruitful in their lives. They shouldn't be hiding away. That's not my design, God said. That's not the way I made things happen. You wouldn't even know how to do this by yourself. Who did you inherit this from? Who told you this? Who brought you to the place for you to act that way? Even God knew that their sin was birthed in someone else. But it doesn't do this, it didn't mean that they were out without fault goes on, have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? You see, even they had to carry the sin. Even they had to inherit the sin. Even they were the ones who had to live with their own actions. They were accountable for their actions, but it sourced in somebody else. Do you see what I'm saying right now? That's why it's important to figure out where did this come from? Assigning the burden is an important step. Fault blame burden must be assigned. Why? Because you can't carry it. It doesn't belong to you. Ultimately, we know that no one can carry it, right? We know in Isaiah 53:6 it says, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All our sins are ultimately going to be put upon Christ and upon his cross. We know in Psalm 55, 22, it says, cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. We know that ultimately all those, those things must go upon Christ. We do know that. But what's this? It says, cast whose burden? Your burden. You can't cast someone else's sin or burden upon the cross. You can't get forgiveness for someone else. They have to go through it themselves. They have to go through that process. And many of us who have carried uh, uh, burdens, we've carried fears, we've carried brokenness, we've carried dysfunctionality, we've carried overdeveloped sense of responsibilities that were inherited from our relationships with our parents, we need to take it and give it back to them and say, this belongs to you, I'm not carrying this anymore. I can't carry that anymore. I keep feeling guilty and I keep feeling bad about what you went through, mom, and what you did and why you were not there for me. I keep feeling bad for you, dad. and I I feel I beat myself up because you weren't there to encourage me and to give me the boldness that I need in my life. I can't carry that anymore. I'm done with this. So many of you need to get to the place where you cut off the disease of the curse that you've inherited from your family and only be connected to the blessing that comes through Jesus Christ. Because God has redeemed you to be something, to do something. He's made you on purpose for a purpose. There's a reason why you came into this world. There's a reason why you are here. And if you're still connected to carrying burdens from the cross, it's got to end now. Often people feel guilty about saying it was their their, their parents' fault. But you have to return the burden. You've got to give it back to them. I don't mean you knock on the door and go ding dong, hey, this is yours and kick in. <laughs> I don't want this anymore. But somehow you've got to let go of it and get, and, and get rid of it. Give it back to them. Stop carrying it for them. In Matthew 16, 24, it says, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And take up the cross of someone else. You can't even take up the cross of Jesus Christ. You have to take up your cross. Guess what happened on the cross? The death of your sins. You have to be accountable for your own burdens, for your own sins, for the things that you have done, not for everybody else. Everyone has to own their own sin. And that means you have to feel its pain. You have to feel its sin. You can't carry someone else's sin for them. Give theirs back and own yours. How are you going to deal with yours if you can't even get rid of this overdeveloped sense of responsibility that you have to fix what your parents did? You can't do it. I had a, quite a few years ago, I was speaking with this, <clears throat> this lady. She's a very good friend of mine. <clears throat> and she had become quite a successful executive herself. She had actually had a, uh, she was now divorced and she, had a, she was an empty nester and she lost her job and then she went for another job that paid less. Then she lost that job and her job kept going down and down and down and down until she wasn't making that much in life. And she was just getting more and more frustrated. But she has this, you know, this this gung-ho, get it done type of attitude. We can do this. She's a very go-getter type of person, right? But she got to this place where I was on the phone call with her and she was like, I just don't know what to do. I'm just lost. I can't even pay my bills. And she was upset. And I said, why are you upset with God? Like, I, don't, I don't know. I said, it sounds like you're, you're blaming God that everything's fallen apart in your life. He goes, well, yeah, because he's not giving me what I've asked for. And I said, well, can you just be happy that God still loves you and you don't have everything that you want? She goes, I don't, I don't know if I can do this. So we started talking about her past. I said, where has this come from? Because you know that God is good. You know he's provided for you. Why would you start doubting him now? And so we talked about her mother and her father. And it came down to when she was about eight years old, she remembers when her dad basically came to her and they had this massive argument between the mother and the father. And he said, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to leave. And so he packed up all his stuff and he put it in the car. And she said, I remember going out to the curb and saying, dad, where are you going? And he said this to me, your mother's told me I'm not allowed to live here anymore. So I'm going to leave. She doesn't want me here. So I'm not going to stay. I said, what did you say to your dad? And she said, nothing. I just remember standing on the curb, just looking at my dad driving away. And I said, do you not think that you had the right to say to your dad, whoa, 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 whoa. You're the father. I'm the daughter here. I'm the one that has a right to have a father. You don't have a right to abandon me. You don't have the right to walk away, drive away. You don't even have a right to do exactly what your wife has just told you to do. You still need to stick around and be my father right here, right now. You don't have a right to walk away. You need to stay. Don't go. Did you say that to your dad? And she goes, no. And I said, right, because at seven or eight years old, you don't know how to do that. You don't know how to deal with that type of stuff. But she had the right to say it to her father because a father has an obligation to stay around for his children regardless of what difficulty comes their way, right? And so it's important that she had to get to this place where she had to discover that she had permission and a right and a power to say, I'm not carrying your burden anymore. So I made her write a letter and she wrote a letter to her dad. And the way I always get people to write letters is like this. I always say, you need to, Begin and end with forgiveness because if you don't begin and end with forgiveness, then it just turns out to be an accusation and that doesn't help anybody. And I want you to say this. I say, dad, I love you so much and I want you to know how important you are to me. I love being your daughter. If that's appropriate, you should say that. And then you say, but I have had a lot of anger against you and I want to ask for your forgiveness because I've been angry and bitter against you for many years. But today I want to finish it. I want to be done with it here's the reason why I've been angry and bitter with you and then tell them the exact story of what happened. And then at the end of it, say, I decided today I am moving on. I am no longer going to stay a seven or an eight-year-old with you in my life. I'm going to become the 40-something-year-old I am today and I want to live free. I want you to know I forgive you. I move on. That's powerful because we've identified the real issue. Let me tell you, Most people write the letters. They don't send them to anyone. That's fine because it's not about that they get it or that they change. It's about that you change. You're the only one that can move on for yourself. You're the only one that can take up your cross and overcome whatever the enemy is trying to use against you. Whatever he's trying to do to keep you down. The father knows exactly what's going on, but we need to make a run for the father. We need to break off all past things. We need to get into this bag and start digging things out and go, this, I need to be done with this thing and then take it to the cross. This, I need to be done with this thing and hand it back to the person. And through forgiveness, you're now free and clear from that very thing. I know that many of you might be thinking, well, I don't really see that for my life. I don't really have these problems right now. I'm all cool and hunky-dory, that's good until God demands something greater of you and then it shows up inadequacies within your life. Maybe some of you right now are thinking, dang, that is me right now and I don't want to look at that stuff. I get it. This is not something you just read a book and it's all done with. It's not something you just get a prayer and it's all sorted out. This is us trying to become the Father's sons and daughters and we've got to learn how to become the Father's sons and daughters. How to have a functional, normal relationship with father God in heaven. But one of the greatest things I could ever say is all the great men in my life that I've tried to become like, the closer I got to them, there was one thing that was common amongst them that I realized that changed my life. And it was this, not one of them were trying to become great men of God. They were all just trying to become the best sons they could be. And when I figured that out, that's when I realized I can do this too then. I can move on. I can become who I'm meant to become because I only need to be a son. I don't need to be a great conqueror and a great pastor and great this and a great that. I just need to be the best son I can be because the best son always relies on his father and says, father, could you show me what to do here? And you have a functional, normal relationship with your father, God. That's ultimately the place that God is trying to get us to. Next week, Dr. Crystal is gonna come and start talking about what as our final steps of repairing our relationship with Father God, finding the right tools in life, and finding the right mentors so you can become the best sons and daughters you can be. Let's stand this morning. <clears throat> Father God, we thank you that that you bring such clarity to us in complicated issues. In complicated issues demands more than simplistic answers because the cross of Christ is the final answer. But that's a complicated process that happened. It took years. It took thousands of years for it to come to pass, for your plan to be completed. Lord, if you're willing to be that committed to finding the final, the final answer for us, then we want to be committed to becoming everything you've called us to be as well. And Lord, for everybody in this room right now that's had something stir up inside of them, I pray, Lord, that in your wisdom and your fatherly love, that you put your hands over them and protect them and give them confidence that they can do it. They've got what it takes and that they can move on. Start revealing things to them in this coming week that they can start to discover that they need to grow on from things that they maybe need to talk about and they need to deal with. Lord, we just pray in the name of Jesus that you would bring them freedom and we rebuke every demonic spirit, Lord, that would try to feed off of unconfessed sin. We rebuke them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And we ask for your spirit to fill them up from the bottom of their feet to the top of their head to overflowing. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you. And all God's people said, amen. Let's give great thanks to God. Amen.